going on, everyone? This is the Truth Be Told Hosea 4-6 podcast coming to you again. Um, this is Jamal Sapp. It's your boy, Trevor Delaney. And um, we're here to bring you another episode. Um, this go around, our very first guest, uh, honorary guest, uh, special guest, uh, comes all the way from Pennsylvania. Um, we're speaking to him just to get his point of view a little bit about what's been going on and uh, what his experience has been like. So um, without further ado, Mr. Timothy's Pope, how you doing, brother? Doing well, man. Uh, I am thankful that you all have allowed me the opportunity to share with you. I'm talking to two young, handsome black fathers. <laughs> salute, salute. Appreciate and, uh, that. That is, that's huge, man. I'm proud of you guys. Yes, sir, man. We are so blessed to have you today. Um, it's a very important topic, subject matter we're going to be dealing with. Um, before we get into our episode today, matter of fact, um, T-Pope, share a little bit about us, uh, whatever you want the audience to know a little about yourself, and then we'll slide in something just for a tad brief second. Yeah, man. Uh, I am a dad of seven. Um, I am a Christian camp director in southwestern Pennsylvania, about 50 miles east of Pittsburgh. And uh, God called me to this mission of uh, reconciliation of the body, redemptive ethnic unity um, when I was very, very young. So it's one of my favorite topics when we see things like this happen in news and media to have a socially responsible biblical um, response is paramount. And so in any way I can help us move forward as the church, I'm happy to do so. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. Listen, um, we're going to be dealing with that topic, too. So that's can't wait. NBC News is reporting since June 1st, 350 protests have erupted around the U.S. in response to the killing of Brother George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I think they have since reported that that is a protest in every state. Hmm. Social media is also putting up that there are protests around the globe. Mm -hmm. I even saw a visual in Iran for George Floyd, Syria, they painted murals for George, George Floyd in England. They're doing protests. The U.S., the United Nations condemned uh, the mistreatment of black and brown people, police brutality in America. So racial reconciliation. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that was, was, What's interesting about that is, you know, 350 in America alone. Yeah. And that's, you know, it probably could really be in the thousands, man, just thinking about the world. And, you know, probably a lot of places haven't been documented, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. with, with, you know, how they've been supporting what's been going on over here. Um, so that's really dope to see. You know, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Uh, personally. Um, so it's, I, it's I really think it's, it's, you know, I shared this with, with my wife. I, you know, I think what it is, is you actually saw a man die hmm. on camera. And so a lot of people were, you know, now it's like, okay, now we understand one, why Kaepernick is taking a knee. Hmm. Dun, 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 Drew Brees. Anywho, <laughs> we can get in that a little bit later. But anywho, um, <laughs> you know, I think that it, that that many are tired. You know, it's like, what do we do? I mean, you know, it's why they always – disproportionately pulled over at alarming rate and, you know, not giving the same fair treatment with 
as our Caucasian brothers and sisters or somebody, you know, whoever may be of a lighter hue than what we are, you know. So um, you're finding a lot more people um, and praise God that it has moved to peaceful protest now because, you know, I don't condone tearing up of anything, you know, it's, it's a way to do stuff. And so, you know, you're finding more folks that are peaceful protests and uh, religious leaders are getting out there and leading these marches and prayer and prayer and worship is going on at these marches. So praise God for that alone, you know, praise God for that. Um, I want to give a shout out to briefly uh, TL creations. I got my shirt on today. It's the, I can't breathe shirt. Um, hit them up on Instagram. They are making these plus more TL underscore creations. If you want to get anything made, she does anything, but um, uh, Sister Wilson custom designed these for my wife and I. She had them on sale. Turnaround is very quick, and they do deliver TL underscore creations. That is TL underscore creations. She can be reached at 804-937-2372, TL Creations 22 at Outlook.com. Nope, nope. You actually raised a valid point. I'm, I'm I'm going to wait to bring it up um, before we get into it. So, um, but to just touch on that point where you say you don't condone the tearing up of anything. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people, including Christians um, in support of rioting. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, that's something we can kind of dive deep into mm-hmm. a little later, you know, how, right, right. how was a Christian, I wait. I wait. I wait for the. <laughs> hey, look, yeah, bro. I we, wait. <laughs> so, um, you know, the reason why we here is to really hear from uh, T. Pope and to to get his point of view and all the thing uh, and everything that's been going on. Amen. So first, um, let's let's start off um, just kind of wondering what what has your experience been like during all of this in this current social climate. Um, you know, what's been going through your mind, what's been going on in your heart. Um, share a little bit about that. Great question. Um, number one thing that I've been thinking, uh, and I've been posting about this, just trying to share my process as vulnerably as, vulnerably as I can with people, is uh, it's not just George Floyd. It's, it's Amy Cooper calling the police on Christian Cooper. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, she is a white Democratic female who gave to the Democratic Party, voted for Obama, voted for in 2016, uh, Hillary Clinton, as far as what we know. And so trying to help people understand this is not just a white Republican right winged issue. Um, this is a systemic issue. Uh, beyond that, um, looking at Breonna Taylor, who is the essence of intersectionalism, where this is a black female and there's not near as much, all there is, there is media attention. There actually happens to be more media attention about her boyfriend than her, mm-hmm. uh, even though she was a nurse serving in COVID-19, because as a black female, the minority minority, she doesn't get near as much publicity. Uh, then, of course, Ahmaud Aubrey, all within this year. And that's just three of them. Right. And so my, my thought has really been uh, George Floyd's death and the events of this past week have reminded me of Emmett Till's death in 1955 as he was uh, lied on by Carolyn Bryant and mm-hmm. then hung and shot. Uh, his body was put in a river. Wow. And so when his body was returned to Chicago and his mom said, I'm not closing this casket, it was the uh, catalyst for 
the movement that was already underway. Wow. So as I've been thinking about that, you, you know, you said we saw a man die on camera. That's not the first time we've seen that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the difference this time, as was with Emmett Till, uh, we saw an extended uh, version of it. Mm -hmm. so, so it wasn't just, you know, a couple of minutes of I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, he dies, you lose the clip. No, this was he dies, you know that he's dead, his knee is still on his neck, people are begging for him to get up, uh, get, get off, of his, uh, off of his neck. And then we recognize that he's, that he's dead. And so I, I just keep thinking, you know, this is the time and, 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 and always – how does it say it said in great debate is the 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 you know the time for justice the time is always is always right now and so mm. that's what's been playing in my head that we need to capitalize on this moment mm -hmm. as the body of believers to speak truth to power and not just try to change society but to speak truth to power uh that helps people understand the true nature of the narrative instead of what we're looking at. Mm -hmm. um, so we talk about racial reconciliation. For example, we use that term. Well, race wasn't something that we invented. There's one race, the human race. And so even when we say racial reconciliation, we give credence to this system that has identified people based upon the way that they look. And so mm. my goal and my thought has really been, Hey, let's change some semantics is paramount. Let's change some of these names. Let's change some of these narratives. Mm -hmm. That's good. You said something, um, you know, my wife and I was pointing out to my wife the other day about, you know, you all have a double double, you know, that you have it worse than what black men do, because one, you're black, you're, you're a woman. And then on top of that, you're black. So, you know, and then, you know, we have been noticing that it's only been men, um, black men that's been getting the news as far as being killed. Um, you know, and not the recognition of some of our sisters who have been slain, you know. Do you think that may be a part of the slave narrative almost, how the, you know, black male slave was brutalized, um, you know, made less of than, you know, do you think it was more so, is it more so the reason why that we're, you know, a little bit of that maybe, and then playing into the I hate to say it almost how we stack. So you have, you know, you have Caucasian men at the top and then, you know, maybe Caucasian women and the black man and the black woman. Do you think that might be a part of it? That's, That's why point. there's not, you know, more publicity for black women who have been victimized by police brutality. Yeah, that's a great question, man. And Kim Crenshaw would agree with you. Uh, she speaks specifically on intersectionalism. And what you're talking about is what we call here the sociological gradient. And that sociological gradient is the majority majority, the uh, minority majority, the majority minority, and the mm -hmm. minority minority. Gotcha. Understanding, understanding that the woman of color is a double minority, um, the question always is, are they discriminated against because they're women or are they discriminated against because they're people of color? And mm -hmm. I would argue that it's both. I mean, it's the, it's the ultimate reason for a system that favors white Anglo-Saxon Protestant men to subjugate women, um, particularly women of color, to this type of dehumanizing. Mm -hmm. uh, as I've been sharing with people, and again, everybody doesn't have to agree with me, I'm just a black dude with some thoughts. 
<laughs> we looked at both them genes. Uh, white female police officer killer get prosecuted by a black female judge, and we thought, what a huge win. Mm-hmm. And what Ibram Kendi argues in his book, Stand from the Beginning, I agree with him. Uh, just as we have grown an opportunity to see more redemptive ethnic unity, as, as we've seen uh, more opportunity for people of color, mm-hmm. racism has also grown in nuance and sophistication. And so mm-hmm. we see it as a huge win that she went to prison, right? But it only perpetuates the system. Right. This woman went to mm-hmm. prison. Mm-hmm. Right. When you look at Trayvon Martin's killer and even when you look at Derek Chauvin now, I mean, they have up the charges, but I'm I'm interested to see what happens if the white men exactly. don't go into jail. And again, it's not against white men because people will say he said white men should go to jail. Criminals should go to jail. I don't care what. Amen. But if the, if 30 if percent of the population that is seven, you know, 17 percent uh, are Hispanic brothers and sisters, 13 percent African-American brothers and sisters make up 30 percent of the population. Right, thirty percent. Mm-hmm. Yet our prison system is seventy-five percent Latino and Black. Crazy. That's an issue. No sense. A B. Um, if that's the case, and we all know, I say we all know. If you don't know, now you need to do the research. Fact check me, please. Take my word for it. Plagiarize me. Fact check me, please. Ninety-five to ninety-seven percent of those seventy-five percent I just talked about are in prison on a plea bargain. Mm. Which means they may not have done anything, but they right. get in a room with these lawyers who use big words and they basically say, look, you can either tell us you did it or you can serve six months in prison. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the fallacy of false dichotomy. If I mm-hmm. haven't done anything, then I'm going to keep telling you I haven't done anything. But if I don't have the resources to pay for an attorney and now mm-hmm. I'm just leaning on the DA who may want me in prison anyway to promote the system. Now, right. 30% of the population makes up 75% of the prison system. But of those 75 people, 73 of them may not have even done anything. Right, right. Um, so that's the narrative we need to make sure people know. Right. It's not enough of a win for somebody's killer to go to prison. We mm-hmm. need to see the system that favors majority, majority, top of the food chain, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant men held accountable just as everybody else is. Reminds me of that movie. I don't know if y'all seen it, Just Mercy. Um with Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Yeah, I have not seen it yet, but it is the story of Brian Stevenson, who has done it. And uh, I I met him once. We got, I I was speaking at a conference that he was also speaking at. Good dude. Um, Mm -hmm. And and very intelligent speaker. Right. And it, you know, like you were saying, it plays, they showed all of that where you had at a certain time, Jim Crow, you know, you didn't have a lot of educated, you know, black men and women, of course, because of, where we came from, um, not getting a fair shake. And so you had that type of plea deal using big fancy words. And, you know, and in that particular time, it was, well, you fit the description. Right. And, and, it's so, and so how many times have we heard that you fit the description? Well, what's the description? Oh, yeah. You know. To that point, um, just recently, something happened in my neighborhood, man. I was really unfortunate. Um this kid, he's graduating this year from high school and um, just hanging around the wrong people. And um, long story short, police ran in his house, grabbed him. Um, 
And after about an hour and a half of us sitting outside, my wife and I are out there trying to advocate on his behalf and, and just on his family family's behalf. He has two younger siblings. So, you know, they're emotional, you know, the boy's mother's. So we're just trying to calm everyone down because we don't want to see another situation where, you know, a black person is, is, is you know, killed by um, a, a white cop. And um, I had a conversation with the, uh, the commander of the group and, um, He's just kind of sharing, you know, his point of view. And he's like, you know, you know, we came here because he fits the description. And I stopped him and I said, so the only the only evidence that you have is that he fit a description. You don't know, you know, anything else. He's like, no, I, you know, we, we stopped him. We talked to him. And I said, but the, the problem is he fits a description. I said, all black people don't look alike. I said, mm-hmm. all black people don't look alike. And, you know, I, I think. I think that is a, a a huge problem, you know, um, just in situations like these, and just with with a lot of what we deal with in 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 this society as Black people is that you know we fit a description, you know. I shouldn't have to be afraid to walk down the street with a hoodie on, or you know, just to jog in in, right. in the neighborhood, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I'd love to hear the description. Everybody, every time we hear, he fit the description. Can I hear the description? Because the right. description was tall, black, kind of fit. Oh, that's me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And how, how many of us does that? But if it was like, yo, he was tall, he was black, he had a little bit of gray hair right there in the middle of his head, he had on a Green Bay Packer shirt with some white shorts, and he lives at this address. It's like, all right, well, yeah, then... <laughs> but that's what i'm saying it's like can i can we please start hearing these descriptions that we fit right i, I want to know like what what signaled you to know that he fit the description mm-hmm. was it what school he went to was it what mm-hmm. neighborhood he lived in was it who he was hanging around and if all of those things are true the question i have is how many other people fit that description and did you do the same thing to all those other people mm-hmm. um and if you didn't what happened to research? What happened to detectives? Mm-hmm, there exactly. isn't such thing as detectives where you can just actually inquire. Mm-hmm. I mean, if a dude has committed a crime or if he's committing a crime, you would need to have some level of evidence. It just seems that uh, people of color are guilty until proven innocent. It, of right, right. Guilty. Right. Um, you know, you said something, something profound and something I contemplate on is, you know, how do I not know you're just making up the description on the fly? Mm-hmm. You know, you want to know that, w- what's the description? Well, he, f- he looks like you, you know, and they start to describe it, describe myself to a T. Well, he's, you know, medium black complexion, beige. He's got a beard. He wears glasses, you know, and I could just, you know, left church or I could just left, you know, my job, you know, and I have proof and they don't, they don't care about that proof. You know, it's, yeah. well, we're going to wait until the witness comes. Absolutely. You know? And how many yeah. times have we Fred heard? Hammond, and that's Fred Hammond's description right there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> and how many times have you heard that sometimes a witness is lying, that it wasn't somebody black, that they did the crime themselves? You well, know. again, we, we see that in Carolyn Bryant, who came mm-hmm. back in a 2008 interview and said she lied. We see that in the killers, uh, Emmett Till's murderers, mm-hmm. who said a year later, once they got off and they couldn't be tried again for, because of double jeopardy, they said we did it. Mm-hmm. We see that with Amy Cooper. I mean, this girl knows she's on video and it's still going to make it up to 911. Right. 
so again, we there's a history of the changing of narratives and the use of semantics in order to make those narratives say what we want them to say. And I've posted some about this, I would say extensively, but I'm just trying to feed people slowly. But the mm-hmm. people who, y'all said y'all was gonna get there, so I'm just gonna get there. The people who, <laughs> I'm talking about protesting, for example, uh, Boston, Tea, Boston Tea Party is called a, a protest, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a merchantile political protest. Mm-hmm. However, they went onto three ships and destroyed $1.7 million of tea. Mm. So $1.7 million in property damage. Does that sound like a protest to y'all? I mean, I mean that sounds oh, yeah. that, that sounds like a riot to me. Sure going in and, to, mm-hmm. and they dressed up like Native Americans like, so that they wouldn't get in trouble. And, and, and so even Wikipedia says they did so to honor mm-hmm. uh, because they wanted to uh, salute and show that they were in America. Interesting. So that you're telling me they wiped out these people, mm-hmm. mercilessly mm-hmm. killed them and took their land, and then they dressed like them to to honor them? That doesn't make any sense. That's too suspicious. When you look at John Brown, the abolitionist, when you look at Nat Turner, they believe that slaves should be free. And so to this day, what is John Brown called in history? An insurrectionist, Mm -hmm. a rebel, a a traitor, and he was the first person tried for treason in this country. So if that's the way the narrative is told and he's still seen as a traitor when I'm not condoning what he did and killing the people that he killed, Mm-hmm. But but part of the reason he did it is he was saying this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't condone that he killed him, but before I focus on him killing him, I'm focusing on his argument. I'm focused on the fact that he was saying this is wrong. None of you are listening. Now again, mm-hmm. the ends don't justify the means. We understand that. Mm-hmm. But also the way that the story is told is just interesting. You know, the Boston Tea Party led to what is called the American Revolution. Right. Y'all right. know the revolution has two definitions, and one is the overthrow of a government in favor of a new system, and the other one is, you know, um, that you are changing things in a way that reboots them. Mm. One sounds very heroic, has a heroic exactly. undertone, right? <laughs> and so when it's called the American Revolution, it's not called the American Revolt. But that's what it was. It was a revolt. It was insurrection. It was, mm-hmm. we're going to overthrow Great Britain. I just want to remind people, when you go look up the American Revolution, for example, you'll know that the American Revolution was from 19, oh, I'm sorry, 1773, mm-hmm. 75, sorry, 1775 to 1783. But the declaration was signed in 1776. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that this is blatant insurrection. They wrote a document that said, we are free mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and fought for another six years. Crazy. Uh, and so, again, when right. we begin to tell the narrative accurately, mm-hmm. when we begin to call the uh, Derek Chauvin, uh, George Floyd's murderer, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can get killed. Kobe got killed, but nobody actually did that, right? Like, it, it, yeah. it was, yeah. he was killed in a helicopter accident. Mm-hmm. But but if you say he was murdered, now that means there was somebody responsible, mm-hmm. whether they got that intent premeditated or they got it in the moment that actually did it. All I'm saying is when we use the semantic of calling Derek Chauvin George Floyd's murderer, mm-hmm. you're not ambiguous about what happened. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be ambiguous, you just say, you know, um, the killing of 
George Floyd, the way George Floyd was killed. George Floyd was killed in Minnesota. George Floyd was murdered mm -hmm. in Minnesota. And there are different degrees varying, right? First degree murder is just premeditated, but third degree murder is if I shoot at Trevor's wall, it bounces off and it kills Trevor. That's unintentional, but it's murder. Right, right. And so I need Man. people to understand mm -hmm. we have to start asking, what narrative are we living in? Where did we get that from? And how true is it? You know, you know, too, what's starting to come out a lot, you see in the back and forth with his autopsy. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, one minute it was the, you know, I guess state-sanctioned autopsy. It was, well, it was other pre-concluding. We found drugs and he was drunk or alcohol. And then independent was, no, he died because lack of oxygen to the brain. Now another one came out, coronavirus. To quote T.I.'s wife, Tiny, how many autopsies does it take, you know? Like I said, you're trying to clean up the image, you know, and it's always when a mass murderer takes takes place that is non-black, non-brown. It's always a mental health issue, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's kind of trying to clean up that narrative of the top echelons. How we are, you know, we talked about before, um, you know. European descent, white male, white female, they can't participate in these type of crimes that you're really relegating that type of act to people of color. And it's, you know, it's, it's not fair to us because, you know, right. like I said, we're all on here, all of us on here educated, you know, mm -hmm. and we're, we're Christians. Um, we take care of our family, you know. Right. So, you know, it's unfair that you stop me because I'm just black. Absolutely. Know? You don't, you don't have a reason to stop me, but exactly. somebody telling me you can stop me without a reason. And, and, and remember, you can arrest somebody on what is called in law probable cause. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. if, if he fits the description, I don't need a warrant, right? I don't need one. I can, if he fits the description, I have probable cause to arrest him as a law-abiding citizen, uh, as a law-abiding officer. That's right. it. You can't tell me you watch a man die on, on, on your television and you go... Yeah, I'm not going to arrest them. And there are people who go, don't go against the brotherhood. Is that the way we're going to focus on this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> any arresting officer Man. in the state of Minnesota can make it happen. Yeah. yeah. I understand and it, you don't want to go arrest somebody. He got five Tuesday. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. got probable cause. He not on the force no more. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The other ones are just now getting arrested. So. It, it, don't get it twisted. I understand the fraternity of being a police, I get that, mm -hmm. right? But there's also the question of, are you willing or ready to do what's right? And if you're not willing and ready to do what's right, if you're telling me your political party, your fraternity with the police department, your whatever is keeping you from doing what's right, you got the wrong, you, you hoping in the wrong sources and in the wrong places. You right. walk up the wrong tree. Exactly, exactly. Man. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. And the point, um, something that crossed my mind as y'all were talking, I made this point, and I'm kind of taking a little backtrack here. I made, I made this post on Facebook the other day. T, T Pope, you saw it now. Um, and literally, my my wife and I had that conversation like a week before everything started to really get crazy. And I told her, um, you know, we're driving, and I said sometimes the random thought will, or or image um, will, will pop into my mind of me getting pulled over, yep. police officer walking up to the window, you know, license, registration, whatever, goes back to his car, check, doesn't see anything, comes back, I smell weed. And it's like, what? Like, literally, I have my wife here, I have my son here, like, 
right. you think we're smoking weed i smell weed step out of the car throw some cuffs on me you know run through my whole vehicle they could potentially plant something and a lot of times that that thought haunts me man and um you know she just kind of expressed her you know her her feelings about it and and um someone made a good point you know it's it's unfortunate that we have to think that way we shouldn't have to think that way but that's a reality because it can happen it it can happen i've i've known that it 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 has happened to people that i've i've been and am associated with to this day Absolutely. um you could be riding around leaving work at 11 p.m. and you get stopped just because you're out at 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, Jamal, we talked about that last, last episode, man, was, mm. you know, a lot of us have serious anxiety or panic attacks when a cop gets behind us, you know, and that cop could just be going back to the, to the station because he or she's getting ready to get off work. We don't know what you're doing behind us and so we just right. like oh my lord do i have you know are my brake lights okay you know my license plate light you know oh, yeah. they nitpick about that is that because we don't know what's going to happen when we get pulled over you know well let me find a good place to pull over so i'm safe well, why didn't you pull over when i when i cut my lights on right you know mm -hmm. and so you know it, it causes us serious anxiety and and we don't want that you know we want to feel okay and you know and feel like, okay, nothing's going to happen to me. You know, like I said, last, last episode, there are certain instances where we can't say, I don't answer questions. Mm -hmm. You know, you have that right, mm -hmm. you know, but. No, you they, don't. I, I wish we did. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. My, my bad. Please, no, please. I if I make a mistake, we, please. We don't, we don't have that right. Unfortunately, uh -huh. right. We, we do. But if we exercise that right, we likely. There you go. Right. And that's, you know, that's what we're talking about. It was like, we can't say that. You know, I know I had some um, some white friends of mine. I was like, man, you know you don't have to. I was like, y'all don't, but we do. You know, it's it's a double standard because they're going to push us and keep pushing us and keep pushing us, you know, until, like Jamal said, well, I smell weed in here. If I bring a dog, you know, we're going to get this dog to walk around. And how you know something ain't on that dog that they attached to that dog brushed up against the car and brushes off. You know, it's all types of scenarios that run through our mind that we're trying to keep us safe our mm -hmm. wife safe our kids safe our girlfriend safe whatever the case you know so it's you know it's i had an fortunate but sorry um, oh you good go ahead bro i had an experience in ohio coming back from preaching at an event got pulled over by a police officer just after a um a uh, work zone mm -hmm. and he said hey do you know that you were speeding i was actually on the phone with my wife at the time and he said, do you know how fast you were going? I was like, no, sir. But I, I mean, I'm in the work zone behind vehicles. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm sure I couldn't, I could not have been speeding. Exactly. And so he was like, well, I clocked you at, and, and what he, he said he clocked me at like 75 and a 55. And I was like, sir, that's not even possible. Like, I'm, I'm in traffic. Like, how, mm -hmm. how, how, in the, how would that even be possible? And he said these words to me. I'll never forget them. He said, License and registration. And I said, yes, sir. So I handed my license and my registration. He said, you live in Pennsylvania? I said, yes, sir. Because my license is a Pennsylvania license. Why would you ask me that if I got, <laughs> if I got a Pennsylvania license? Like, what kind of question is that, right? Mm -hmm. So he says, well, here's your two options. He said, I, I caught you speeding in a work zone. And, and sir, that's a $1,000 fine. And, and, and you live in Pennsylvania. So you can either come back and pay that $1,000 fine or... Yeah, I can be merciful tonight and I can give you a ticket 
for your uh, brake light being out. I said, sir, my wow. brake light's not out. He said, well, I, I didn't, didn't, then I can, I can charge you, you know, you can pay this double fine and you got a thousand dollar fine. I said, sir, you can charge me for that if you want to. The thing is, my brakes, my brake light is not out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, this was probably 10, 12 years ago. It was before everybody was taking pictures on their phone. And I mean, I still had a flip phone at the time. Right. I wasn't even thinking, take a picture of your brake light, show that it's not out. Like, I wasn't thinking to prove because of my life experience, I was just scared to death. So I was just thinking, sir, like, this ain't fair. This ain't right. So I'm telling him it's not right. And then he, 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 he gets upset and says, well, I'm gonna write you this ticket for this if you don't take this charge. Mm. And kind of like Christian Cooper in his video, I said, you can write whatever you want, mm -hmm. but I, I don't believe I was speeding and my brake light was not out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. I was scared to death to say that when I knew I was right. Like, I know I've done nothing wrong, right? but at the end of the day, he's pulled me over. And again, at that time, 10, 12 years ago, it was not as pervasive of an idea that the police are killing folk. So I wasn't thinking I might get killed here in Ohio, but I remember writing them a letter and telling them what happened. And they still sent me back a letter that said, you got to pay this ticket. And I'm just like, this is the kind of unjust system we talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even live in the same state. I'd have to drive five hours to argue with y'all and you'd have to believe me over him because mm -hmm. I, I really didn't have any proof other than my word and it'd been my word against his, but exactly. that's where people miss it. Mm -hmm. Like he clearly did something completely unfair and unjust. And I had no choice but to comply because otherwise it would have escalated. And, mm -hmm. and I really didn't have the freedom to let that escalate. Yeah, I um, yeah, you know, sharing sharing stories. I was sharing with Jamal through a text message that um, there's a lot of racial trauma that's going to come out in these next days. You know, I saw I had a younger cousin post traumatic past experiences. You know, of and she's she's much younger than I am. She's in her twenties. You know, and so we're still dealing with this in 2020. You know, and it. Will it ever go away? I don't think so. I don't think it's, it's a sin issue. You know, it's, it's not going to go away, you know, and obviously race is a Western concept, you know, the idea of black versus white, white versus Brown, black versus beige, peach, whatever, you know, it's, that's Western, but you know, um, experiences like that. I mean, that's when I go back and say that we have serious anxiety when cops get behind us, you know, it's like, man, let me hurry up and get over in the right lane you know, and see if he moves or she moves in the right lane. It was like, dang it, man, we about to get pulled, you know, and it, it goes back to what your mama said in the car. Oh, your dad, don't turn around and look cop behind you. You better not turn around. You turn around, look, whoop, whoop. If you get pulled, you know, it's that old stigma, you know, stigma, but you know, it's, it's, it's experience like that. Um, I had a, a good friend of mine who, and I guess we can kind of move, uh, progress the conversation a little bit. Um, in North Carolina and he called me up Monday and he had a very good heart about it. Um, he said that Trevor, I really want to do something about what's going on. And, you know, Caucasian brother, he's predominantly had a predominantly white church and he's in the sticks of North Carolina. And um, he said, I prayed a prayer um, Sunday about God challenging 
our hearts. And he said, you can hear a pin drop. He said, normally I get some amens and hand claps. He said, they did not say anything. Mm. What in my question for you, what, how, how can we initiate these conversations with our white evangelical friends, you know, who want to do something, but they don't know what to do? That's a great question. Um, let me first say adverbially, carefully, mm-hmm. strategically, mm-hmm. and with love. Um, as a good friend of mine, Mike Newton, who's a white brother, married to a girl who's like a daughter to me, who is, uh, who is um, of a darker shade. Uh, <laughs> he said, sometimes when people say, what can I do? Mm-hmm. What they're really asking is, what can I do that doesn't really cost me anything? Mm. what can what can give me a i'm not a racist card Mm. Mm. and so you know when i'm talking to people who are who are who are not minorities and 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 somewhere between racist and non-racist my major goal is to help them understand the narrative that all of us have been taught told and now treasure mm-hmm. and then notice the veracity or the lack thereof of that claim is it true mm-hmm. or is it false i'm trying to help them understand that we glorify and vilify based upon our current agenda sorry about that um we glorify and vilify based upon our current agenda mm-hmm. and so here's here's a, here's a Here's an example. People will say, yeah, man, and these guys, man, they, they don't really want to do anything as far as diversity is concerned, but man, they're really good guys and they care about the gospel. Hmm. Those two statements aren't congruent. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, the, the, the prime example that I use for people is Billy Graham. God bless him. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was asked, why do you not march with Dr. King? Why do you not stand up for civil rights? He responded, I would just rather focus on the gospel. Mm. And what that communicates is he had bought and was then selling a gospel that was theological, but not practical in implication with people who are marginalized. Mm, Well, then that gospel isn't really the gospel. Right. A Jesus who does not involve himself with human rights. Mm -hmm. I changed the name, changed the narrative. A gospel that doesn't have Jesus involved with human rights cannot possibly understand the incarnation of the Son of God. It can't, because 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might be made rich. For God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Mm -hmm. fact that we are ambassadors of this same gospel, this good news, means that it's just as just as practical as it is theological. Mm -hmm. And so my my goal, particularly when you speak of evangelicalism, is to help my brothers and sisters see we have been fed a Christianity that is European or American, but not biblical. Mm. Yeah, you start to see more um, younger folks coming out now and talking about the Christian church that was in Africa before it was in Europe. 
African church fathers, you know, um, but not to sway too far off that, um, you know, cause I know he has a genuinely good heart. Um, you know, went to seminary with him. Good, 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 good dude. You know, and all of my friends who are non-black that I spoke with, you know, um, should we detail African American history, the black perspective of how we view America, how our grandparents, what they came through, should we kind of debrief them on that as far as the inclusion of social justice in the black church? Um, I don't mean to sound crass with my response, but um, I, I love you, so I'm going to be honest. And when I say I love you, I'm not just talking about you, Trevor. I'm talking about anybody listening. Mm-hmm. They gave us theirs. So, mm-hmm. ooh. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, so I think it's only fair that if they gave us theirs and, and we were uh, somewhat forced to mm-hmm. listen, mm-hmm. Um, we didn't really have an opportunity to say, hey, I, let me, I, got a, I got a question about that. Uh, we weren't really allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. But centuries, um, that's good. I, I would think if, if they are either a not interested in hearing ours and or not willing to hear ours, um, they don't know that they have taught us a Jesus that is theirs and not biblical. Mm-hmm. And I can give you tons of examples of this. I was just on a call Tuesday night where I, we had this conversation mm-hmm. about Peter, mm-hmm. and someone communicated that Peter brought his uh racism so did mm-hmm. well when you look at the narrative the the issue with that is because of the way that we view scripture through an american lens we miss right. the richness of that passage right let me just remind you peter peter is not the one in the system of oppression mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right rome is the system of oppression peter is a minority in this system mm-hmm. of oppression rome don't care nothing about him he's what would be equivalent of us right, right. in this environment. And so right. when Peter hears the angels say, go to Cornelius, I identify with Peter. Peter is basically saying, so you want them to have the spiritual privilege too. <laughs> so, 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 so they got, they, they Roman, he's a Roman Italian uh-huh. leader of the band. He already got all the privilege. Right. And you want him to have heaven too? Come on. I identify with Peter. Right. I identify with Peter in the book of Galatians when Paul in Antioch, when Paul is saying he confronted him to the face. I mm-hmm. identify with Peter. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine the three of us haven't encountered this at some level. You go to a conference, mm-hmm. right? Uh, where there, let's say you got a, you got, you know, I have a plethora of friends of all different shades. Mm-hmm. And so I can go to a conference where I'm chilling with all people who don't look like me. Mm-hmm. Antioch, Peter. Peter is then chilling with the Gentiles who don't look like them. Many of them likely Roman citizens, many of them within the narrative of the systemic oppression of Rome, yet they are believers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can see Peter assimilating. I can see Peter code switching to make sure that he is not ostracized by this majority culture people. Then the homies show up from Jerusalem. And once they do, I can see Peter code switching back to his normal and mm-hmm. hanging out with the homies from where he's used to. I mm-hmm. identify with Peter. If I go to a conference, and I'm just going to be as, as candid as I can. 
if I go to a conference and it's all white people at the conference and I'm speaking at the conference and I'm hanging out with my white brothers and sisters, white is all I know to use. I'm not about to use Caucasian because that represents an area of places that don't even get all of my brothers in, in, and sisters in, in conjunction. And so if I'm there with all white people mm -hmm. and, and I'm the only black dude, I'm likely going to take my blackness and set it on the shelf at least a little bit in part mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. make sure that I'm not ostracized in the moment because I'm still a human being who wants to be accepted. Right, right. We need to stop faking on that too and acting like we don't all do that. We do that because we want to be accepted. I don't care who you are, it happens. It ain't right, right or wrong, it's just different. Mm -hmm. When my brothers show up, when, when another speaker shows up who's a, uh, a minority, I'm gonna go hang with that brother. Mm -hmm. Just like Peter did. I can see then another brother who was with me hanging out with the white folk coming to me and go, hey, hey bro, before, before before these minority pastors came, you was over here with these people and you was chilling and you was cool. Mm -hmm. What now you're not talking to them. What happened? Mm -hmm. I identify with Peter, mm -hmm. but it's because we have preached a gospel that almost hoist up Israel as if they are the people of privilege because they are spiritually. Paul even mentions that in the book of Romans. Right, right. Socially and politically, they are the marginalized. God writes his word to the poor, to the marginalized. Has not God chosen those who are poor but rich in faith to inherit the kingdom? James chapter 2, verse 5. So I think as we tell the narrative, many of us who are of color don't recognize how much the white narrative has colored our idea of Scripture, our view of Scripture, our view Woo! of the redemptive narrative. We, we have, oh, man. unfortunately... We've been able to see Jesus not as a white man, but it's still not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus that we see is still not the Jesus of Scripture.